Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. Once again, I'm joined by Dan and Adrian this week, and we're talking about conflicting intentions. Conflicting intentions, meaning we say we want something, yet something different keeps appearing in our business, in our leadership, in our marriages, in our in our family, something different. We have something different in our lives than what we say we want. And we say that that's because we have conflicting intentions. And we dive deep into what that means, how to identify it, and how to start aligning your intentions with what it is you actually want. Let's dive in. What is intention? How do we frame up intentions? You know, a lot of people are going to be clicking on this episode, probably pretty curious about what our definition or what we even mean when we talk about attention. Well, intention, if, if the definition of intention is to wrap, is to bend your mind around something or to prioritize something in your mind, to make it the focus or the aim of your thinking, right? And so, you know, when you think about it, Whatever I'm doing is what I intended to do. Like sometimes people say, well, I didn't mean to get that, but they may well have meant to get that. They just don't realize it, whatever's going on around them. So so one of the things we talk about is that intention equals results. Like my intentions are truly revealed in the results I continue to get. So even though I'm complaining about the results as if I don't want them, we ask people to slow down and consider, well, what if you did want them? Yeah. Let's say you're an intentional being. Let's say that you may not consciously see, you may you don't consciously tell yourself that you want to fight with your wife on a regular basis. Or, or your husband, or your, you know, however that is for you. And yet you find yourself doing that. There's something in that, that you are getting some kind of payoff for that you continue to come back to it, that I, that I continue, because I'm married and I understand this dynamic. So I wonder what I'm getting out of this perpetual bickering and upset that we bring our, we get, we get ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I can understand what I'm getting out of it, I can open up, you know, I can start to consider the prices I'm paying for it because, you know, the old the old idea that people don't that it's actually pain that causes people to shift much faster than pleasure. Seven times as fast as pleasure, at least from the neuroscientific studies I've seen, you know, from from different institutions. And, And so if you can get anywhere from five to seven times faster you yeah. know. so people make people make decisions uh, based on what they don't want more much more likely than what they want than what they want that's right so if i can really see that what i'm settling for the price i'm paying for it i may begin to not want it so much yeah but but it takes a, it's a challenge because if you spend your days complaining trying to convince yourself that you don't want it in the face that you, of having it there's it's like a dissonance yeah. That goes on like, I'm confused. I, I really don't want this. And then I get unhappy. And, and I, there's this whole mood of resistance and resentment as if I had nothing to do with what's there. Because one of the things we do know 
that while we may not be able to get exactly what we want, we most almost always can get rid of what we don't want. Mm. Like, like what we actually don't want. Yeah. Like, you know, people divorce all the time. Yeah. You know, people, you know, if people don't want something, they get rid of it. Yeah. Really. Right. Yeah. They pay the price. We've seen it. You know, you, if you pay attention, you'll probably see that in your life. If you really don't want something, you get rid of it. Yeah. So if it's there, it's a good starting place, at least with, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying this is always true, but a large de- to a large degree, I believe it's true that what I have in my life is what I've chosen and I keep it because there's some payoff in it, whether I like it or not. Yeah. So your attention, Dan, you even in that you started to touch on conflicting intentions. So let's, we'll get there in just a minute, but coloring out intentions just a little bit more of like, what is it? Um, It's, I mean, it's quite literally, we create what we want, whether we know it or not. Yeah. Right. We have an intention. We always have an intention. Yeah. We always have an intention that is creating our results. Yeah. There's, well, you know, you're, you're, you're biologically, you have built in intentions, right? Your brain, your brain has a mandate to keep that spacesuit alive. And it also is committed to saving energy in order, in case it needs that energy to keep that spacesuit alive. Right. So we know that that's always operating in the background. So if I'm not really clear about what I want, that biological programming is probably going to take over. Yeah. I just said on Instagram the other, yesterday, maybe the, the mind requires an aim and it's happy to settle for your own survival. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. So there is, I mean, part of it, so people are like, what is intention? Well, look at your results. It'll already tell you, it'll show you whatever's happening is your intention. That's what we're inviting. What we invite or even listeners now inviting, like whatever you whatever you have now, whatever's here, you intended to have. So just to try that on. And we argue against that because we have a different story about what we're doing. Um, But we're also either, Either I talk about it like we're either generating a future or we're tolerating a future, either one. You know, so we're either in an active stance and I'm a powerful being and I get to make choices or I'm just along for the ride in life. And there's a fatalism. And we don't say fatalism. We just say the word stuck. You know, I'm stuck. Would you decode for I have I no longer have power to generate my reality. Yeah, I no longer have choice. Now my circumstances have taken over control and that's an intention as well. It's like, Oh, I'll just be powerless. And we don't say it that way. Cause it's, it sure doesn't sound good. And it sure makes me look like who I'd rather not be in my own eyes. But I just know for myself, it's like, whenever I've let something go to shit, there are um, reasons why I have usually for me has to do with self-righteousness, like being right about something. Like if ever I'm like tangled in to use your example, like having petty fights, why do I like petty fights? Oh, cause I get to be right all the damn time. And I don't want to slow down and get in the conversation and listen. I don't want to, I just would rather be right. I don't, that's good. I, yeah, I don't want to. I just don't. I don't want to. I'd rather not. I'd rather be right over here and be disconnected. And I, but I got a story about how damn connected I am and how loving I am and how all these things about me, I've got that story about myself, but if I watched myself and how I behaved, 
you know, I'd find out where I'm not so. And instead of wondering about what, where and when I'm not so, I'll go to justifying why the circumstance makes me not so. And therefore, I get to now blame circumstances for my own internal state. Yeah, I mean, it is a very rich payoff, you know, land of payoff. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't have to own it. I don't, I have an immediate escape from whatever discomfort's going on for me. So it's, it's usually short term gain and a very right. long term pain because the short term gain is more of a relief. It's more of a psychological relief. I don't have to, feel pressed. I don't have to feel condemned, I, you know, because I may be condemning myself. There's just so many different things that are going on. So, yeah, and, and I can I can escape that for a moment. But the yeah. long term grief is that I'm, I'm constantly dealing with my inability to, to make a difference and order the chaos that I say I really don't want. Yeah. One thing that you um I've heard you say it a lot of times, Dan, but I heard it. I think I feel like I actually heard it for the first time in this last Revenant training, which was you talk about us having a stack of concerns. We all of us have a pile of concerns in our life, something that we're things that we're paying attention to, and we have attentions behind those. And we order those concerns, you know, in a certain way, usually for like payoff, right? Um, and you can clarify any of this in just a second, but I'm just, so what I heard or, or how it showed up with, for me, it was like, okay, when I say, and I'm going to, well, we can introduce conflicting intentions at this point, but like when I, it's just the way that I've ordered my concerns, right? I've put to your example, I've put my concern about being right above my concern about having a harmonious marriage or a, or relationship or a, a connected relationship. So yeah. it's not that I don't have both intentions. It's just that one is ordered higher than the other. I'm getting currently, I'm, I think I'm getting more or I am getting more out of the one I've ordered higher than the other one. That's at least that's, it, yeah. it was a real breakthrough for me. Well, the, it, it's just a neurological, I mean, Jordan Peterson talks about this and he's, he's obviously got it from many of the clinical studies around you know, uh, how people order their world, right? And so neurologically, whatever I'm really aiming at, what I'm truly aiming at is what's ordering my my background concerns. And those background concerns are revealed by the things I choose to act on, the things I choose to do in relationship to the things I choose not to do. That's why, you know, your wife will say, well, if you really cared about me, you would, you know, you would have done this. And she knows because She's looking at what you're doing, so she knows that on your order of concerns, she can tell based on results, based on your actions, that you're that she's probably below whatever you chose to do instead of bring home the milk or whatever you were, at, you know, you agreed to do, right? That's right. And we have a hard time, you know. And I, I think I know I do. I'll speak for myself. It, it's it, initially, it's always hard to face that I may not be who I think I am. <laughs> yeah since too often yeah yeah you know, but until i do that there's no real power to shift how i'm showing up because it's not who i am in the sense of that's my identity it's who i am in the sense of the impact i'm making for somebody else yeah, yeah. i can always change that and that language can be tricky because 
I, I am to somebody else what I do. I am to me what I intend, or what I, my good intentions, but I am to the other person what my impact is. And, and then, you know, <laughs> that's confusing for them because my, my, I can say, well, I, my intention wasn't to do that, but for them, the impact is who I am. And if I don't, or if I don't just connect with that and understand that, well, maybe that action that I just did might have communicated love or concern or respect to somebody else or to me personally, it didn't to this person. And there, and, and that's a good point to start the inquiry. Yeah. I, I really experienced this this morning. Uh, I, I have decided that I want to be um, connected to my family at breakfast time. And for me, that means not having my phone with me, not looking at it, just being there at the table when everybody's, when the kids are coming and going and breakfast is happening. And, you know, it's just a great time. I found it's a great time to really connect with each other. We just have few times uh, in, during the day to do that. And um, so I'm all, you know, proud of myself or whatever about how present of a dad I am. Look and, how exemplary you are. Yeah. Look how exemplary I am. Well, and, and then um, I just had a, I just had a couple of quick things that had to be done during breakfast this morning. So I brought my phone to the table. And, how convenient. How very yeah, convenient. Yeah. How very convenient. And so um, it just, it, so, and then I ended up scrolling on Instagram and Kenya, my 12 year old daughter is like saying these things to me about her school day, what she's going to do and what she's going to wear and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm going, uh-huh, uh-huh while looking at my phone and scrolling on Instagram. And it was just so, I, it, like there was a moment of light that was like, oh my gosh, look look where your priorities of intention, or like, look where you're, where you're priority, the concern, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's it, I put the, I put my intention of like numbing out on social media or whatever it is I was doing, whatever I was getting out of it, over the intention of being, with my kids at that moment, no problem. Yeah. Feedback. I put it down. I took it to the, to the, my bedroom, put it down, came back and was with them for the last 20 minutes that we had together. But just so I uh, just, so, just it so happens, clear to me. I mean, it's, and it, it, it's, that is a clear example. And it made me think about, you know, if you're, let's say you're an ex executive or CEO, same thing, right? You, you, you say you're committed to culture in your organization. You know, a lot of CEOs are, a culture is the key. And then every opportunity they have to, many opportunities they have to, to craft the culture tend to show up like problems. <laughs> like I have more important things to do than to listen to this person talk to me about how they don't feel, you know, like how I didn't keep my word or they didn't get that, you know, you know, I was supposed to get this raise or was I supposed to get, why didn't we have this review? You know, why, why didn't this happen? Why didn't that happen? And my, in, in, in my mind, I'm going, well, don't you care about the company? Well, they would probably care about the company if I cared about them seeing how serving the mission was going to help them too. Yeah. Right. But, but I don't have the time for that because my intention is to make sure I, I believe that, you know, I, I, my intention is somewhere around making money at the least amount of energy that I have to give out efficiently. But I don't realize that the long-term pain of that is probably far more expensive than if I would just 
discipline myself like you did with your kids, show up, deal with this circumstance very honestly right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and, they, and these little things show up. I was I'm thinking about some of the stuff we've been, we're in the process of reinventing, kind of restructuring ourselves to take on a greater amount of business. And, and I, I find myself being, the, the smart thing is to get on the things I really resist, but I know are going to be most important. How can I drive into those things and get them done? Because they're, if I don't de- if I deal with them later, they're going to be much bigger headaches than if I deal with them now when they're just like a little annoyance. Yeah, I, I saw replace Adrian in our calendar later. Uh, yeah, is, that, that, is that what that's <laughs> pertaining to? <laughs> oh, yeah, we got to get to that conversation. After. That makes sense. Okay, great. I'll see you at 2 o'clock. Okay. Looking forward to it. <laughs> That's good. I mean, it, what comes up, one of the things that comes up for me, especially in, in maybe uh, in the corporate context is like the distinction, if there is one, I haven't thought about it, but like the distinction between an intention and an agenda is we all have agendas. Yeah. That's you good. Know? And, and we ought to, I mean, I mean, we've got a personal agenda. If we work at a company, we have a personal agenda. It's called a job description. Like that is my, what I've been tasked to do at whatever level you are in the organization. That is your agenda. Now, how, how broad is that beam that you're walking on? Cause I, I know that like some, like some people, including the guy talking, if I think that something else is a threat to my agenda, the beam is very narrow and all of a sudden I don't have any room for variation, Yep. you know, and, and now people are problems for me. Um, people are in my way that I end up needing to power up and assert myself and become dominating even maybe, or steamroll people or be really short or be very passive aggressive or give bullshit answers. Or, you know, I can be that way to deal with how I've related to my thoughts about how my agenda can become complete. You know, how I relate to that, like, how am I going to get my agenda complete? That's a very important question. Um, And you know, how, so for people listening, it's like, how broad is that beam? It, you know, thinking about like walking on a skyscraper and you know, there's beams that you're walking on, it's high risk. And if you're running a big business or running any fast moving teams, it feels like risk and it ought to, um, because there is. And if you're called a high performance, then it is, you've decided to walk a tight yeah. rope or walk a beam. High performance and safety are antithetical. Yeah. Yeah. So most people don't spend the time to wonder about who they're committed to being on, who they're committed to being on the beam. I guess we could talk about that. Who they're committed to being in process, who they're committed to being in a room. Yeah. And so that, that is really, that is really, that is where intention really lies is how am I committed to being with fill in the blank, this person, these stressors, these complications, this chaos, these, you know, circumstances, my own self, my own insecurities, my own challenges, my own, you know, you know, whatever happened last night, what it's like at home and, you know, all of these, all of these tensions that are all there and how am I committed to being in the midst of unfavorable circumstances? Or or, if they they occur to me that way. Yeah, right. That's the thing I've, through the years I've experienced that, they, they look unfavorable to me or threatening to me because that's right. 
they're outside my agenda or I think they're outside my agenda. They could be a larger possibility. That's why, like in this thing we've been talking about, if I, you know, we're expanding our partnership here, our, our business. And so it's requiring of me personally to like, okay, what do I, what do I really want out of this? Why am I doing this? And how can I be to have it happen? And, and then, and then to, what becomes the ally are the insecure conversations like I'm going to be left out or I'm not being considered or I'm I'm uh, not good enough. I don't think I'm up for this. There's a number of different conversations that come up. And in those conversations, it's like, oh, really, is this, you know, it's like questioning myself. Is that true or is what is it I'm afraid of and what could how could what I'm afraid of literally be the opportunity I've been waiting for? Right. That's the conversation I've been in my mind, because most of the times in my life, when I look back after I screw something up royal, is I've discovered that the very thing that it was threatening was the way to the next level. Was the breakthrough. And I just didn't want to pay the price of putting my agenda down, being uncomfortable, opening up and being vulnerable. Who knows what a number of you know, the list of things. Uh, can I make an example? Sure. Because I just got off a coaching call right before we jumped on here. And as a gal that I've coached for years and um, to make your point, there was a, there's a perpetual um, disconnection between her expectations coming into a meeting and this other counterparts expectations of coming into a meeting. And he came this, this person and she can be very mothering. Um, but very caretakery, right? And he's in, in, in the relationship, and we don't talk about this in business, but it shows up everywhere. So I'll just use the language because it's really there. The, the, the types of relationships that we have everywhere in life show up and work. You know, so he's like the delinquent kid. If, for example, that's the pattern, right? He's always perpetually unprepared for meetings and therefore the meeting, the time is underutilized. She's ten, she tends to like then get on him really hard. And, you know, she finally blew up on him in a meeting in front of his subordinates. And then he went to her superior and to, and to quote unquote told on her. And then she heard it from her superior. And now, anyway, that's how she started the call. Telling me about, hey, I really blew it at work. And, that, and, we, and she just wants to talk about that, about how she blew it and why she blew it. And I want to talk about what opportunity there is now. Yeah what's being revealed because this pattern is really frustrating for her, but she wanted to then talk about why she should have been nice instead of no, 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 stop. There's a conversation. So you could have a, go have a forgiveness conversation that is not polite nor helpful, nor doesn't move you forward to go throw the guy under the bus, quote unquote, in the meeting that way. That's right. So go clear that up. There's also principles at play conversations you're not having that keep perpetuating the behavior. So let's go have those conversations as well. There's a dynamic here that she's been avoiding. And now she finally got passive aggressive enough, avoid, 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 bam, dominate. <laughs> and, you know, which everybody does, you know, it's like that. I mean, not everybody, but almost everybody. We talk about the Harrison assessment. If you're like long on helping others and short on asserting for yourself, you're going to be self-sacrificing, but every martyr gets a payday. You're going to, you're going to go, you're going to go make them pay. If you've been a martyr, you're going to make them pay. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's just what's going to happen. And if you don't think that's you just watch. Um, I know I've done that so many times in my life. So the point is, is like this conversation she wasn't willing to have that would have been on that assertiveness scale. 
of, hey, can we talk about our interdependence, my team and your team? Or can we also talk about you seem I'm like you seem underprepared for meetings and she can be her condescending self about that. Or she could actually say, hey, seems like you're really struggling. Do you have hires that you're not able to get to? And how can I help advocate for you inside the system? Because this behavior doesn't work. And I, I'm not going to you know, I'm going to do my best not to be like that in a meeting and embarrass you in front of your subordinates. That's on me. I don't want to, you know, um, and she could she could actually look into as well. How am I actually contributing to the perpetuation of what I say I don't want? Right. Like, I wonder what I do for him that tells him it's okay. He doesn't need to prepare. What am I carrying that ought to be his? And what am I not asking for that I need in order to do my job well? Yeah. Well, it so gets back to this bigger picture intention conversation because it was that when he said this next phrase, I said, "Well, look, it took us forty-two minutes for you to say that," and 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 what it was was she doesn't really want to be here anymore. Right. She started looking for other jobs. She started interviewing at other jobs. And so now, because like, I don't want to be here. I don't give a shit. I'm like, as she said, I'm all out of fucks to give. It's like, well, if you come at anything with I'm all out of fucks to give, everybody's a problem. Like, you know, it's like this guy's, you know, and now you get to everything's be, a fuck. That's right. And I'm not done paying fucks. You know, it's like, but that's where well, she's now I don't give a fuck. That's right. I'm not, I have a fuck. You know what? In my pocket, I have a nice fuck, but I'm not giving it. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> but you know where we're coming from, i.e., our intention. You know, will frame out everything. Like it will color the interpretation of everything. Hmm. So for her to get connected to how what meta conversation she's in about work right now, that she can shift whenever she wants. Yeah. What's the intention behind that meta conversation? Because that intention's going with her to the next job. That's right. And her marriage, if she's married, and her motherhood, and her friendships, and (laughs) that's what I said. That's what I. That's where I took it next. I just said, "Well, let's pay attention. Do you want to find your next job to escape your your current apathy, or do you want to find? Do you want to step in your next job full of self confidence? Because how do you feel about when you show up like this now? Actually, where are you really? Like, what are what story are you telling yourself about yourself that you're better than all these schmucks?" And, you know, you need some other team so that you can show up a certain way. Do you think that's going to really serve you on the next team? What happens when that team's not who you need them to be to show up the way you think you need to show up? Exactly. You always have a backdoor. You always have a a release valve. You know, and, and by the way, that's, you know, such a great criminal strategy. You know, we're all criminal and just some of us are more arrestable than others, but you know, that it's such a great if you have, to, if the world has to be a certain way for me to show up, I always have, I, I always have a demand on the world. Yeah. And if they don't meet it, I always have a back door. And so I'm always right. Yeah. But I never really have what matters to me. I never, I never fully have the kind of future that matters to me. And I start to think that it's not possible as if there's something because the universe never orders itself in a way that makes it possible for me to show up. Yeah. The way I can fully show up in my mind. Yeah. So there's, um, are we going to say something, Adrian? Go ahead. Well, um, I forget what I was going to say. Go ahead. Ah, oh, I'm sorry. I'm no, going to, I'm going to make a left turn. So uh, there's a, there's a way that, you guys introduce conflicting intentions in the um, Revenant workshop or the the Revenant um, training process. process. 
which is really powerful. It's the, the idea of the iceberg. And I'm wondering if one of you would be willing to just, I think it'd be really a, a clarifying, um, yeah, I think it'd be a clarifying point to make in this podcast, really set this up and, and bring it, you know, bring analogy to it. Yeah. So as we think about it, like we've all got intentions, right? We, 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 we have them, but it's not like, it's not like you get to escape having the intentions. Like you, you all have, everybody has an aim. Um, and we have multiple of them, which we've brought, talked about before. Like there are lots of things I want out of life, lots of things I want in my own experience. And so we, we draw this picture up of an iceberg and like, so it just looks like, it just looks like a mountain when we're, when we're drawing it and we talk about our intentions and there's lots of them inside of this, of this mountain. And then we, um, I, I just, so, and so intentions are like, like who I'm going to be in the process. Um, I also talk about, I have, I have, you know, intentions about why it matters to me. Like, um, like the big why question, like what, where is meaning found in that? Um, and I have, I also have intentions about like, when I talk about my vision, I have intentions about what I'm committed to create. So I always talk about intention, like what, why, and who in that way. So anyway, all that is all baked into this big mountain of intentions. And we've got lots of them more than we'd even like to probably even entertain. But if you even just sit down now and thought about your intentions for today, you've got lots of them. Um, and it might even be that some of them are smushed together. Some of them are higher or lower as if you prioritize them, you could do that. Then we also draw up a waterline, you know, and like using the iceberg as an analogy and everybody that's listening knows what icebergs are. And we know kind of the mystery of the iceberg is that they look really huge, but they're much larger than we can even see because, you know, depending on the salination of the water, it's anywhere 10 to 13% is above water. A majority of the iceberg is below water. Same with our intentions. Like they are unspoken for us or even might be unconscious for us or avoided or unclaimed. Mm. So they're down lower and they seem to us being invisible. But yet as we find they're kind of one analogy, I also like to think about it. It's kind of like, you know, when you go in this like uh, piss moat called the lazy river at a water park, you know, you, you put your <laughs> a piss moat and you get on the, you get on this inner tube and you end up moving, you end up moving around and you're not swimming and hold on. What's moving us? Well, there are jets under the water that are moving the water that are creating a current that's moving me around this piss. I'll never go in one again after that. Watch it, man. Watch it. <laughs> Maybe that's not on my bucket list. Get Dan Takini in the lazy river. <laughs> He's all of a sudden puts his hazmat suit on so as to not touch any of the water. <laughs> so anyway. I, love, I love soaking and relaxing in a piss moat. <laughs> well, at least it'll clean you up a little bit. Yeah, yeah a little better <laughs> than before. <laughs> so anyway, you know, uh, part of the, the, the work is to get, I mean, for our work is to get to intentionality and to get to ownership and responsibility, to take responsibility. Now, and if I want to do that, get responsible for the outcomes in my life, for the impact on other people, um, I, I, there's lots of feedback out there that's contrary to my story about myself. And usually my story about myself is the, the part of the iceberg that's above the water. That's my story about myself, like what I, what I think I've chosen or what I've, you know, what I've chosen about me or my view of me. Um, but there's also feedback out there, if you take a look, about other, your impact on others or the results you create that is out of alignment with your own story about yourself. 
So therein can lie either the opportunity to discard feedback and blame other people, which is easy to do, blame circumstances, or I could get into an inquiry about, I wonder what else is going on for me that I'm producing those results. I wonder what else is going on for me that I'm producing those results. Well, so that, okay, good. If I want to do that, like if self-discovery and personal transformation is an aim, then I might want to do that. Good. So let's, then what's, what's necessary is to lower the water level in order to see and own and see some of my, of these conflicting intentions. Cause we all know what conflicting intentions actually feel like. It happened for me this morning of, I've got an intention of feeding my children and, and putting them together a decently nutritious meal. At the same point, the teenagers came back by the house on the way to their school and Grant came and brought his dirt bike. And um, I'm conflicted immediately because I need to make lunches. At the same point, I want to like be supportive of Grant and his hobbies and the kids are going down to sit on the bike and all this kind of stuff. And I want to be both places and I'm immediately torn. And I've got intentions on bigger picture, healthier uh, items for my children and time and getting them to school on time. And also, and also like being supportive of Grant and also looking like I'm supportive of Grant simultaneously. It's also just like, what do I need to go do? Or you can think about it like, you know, I haven't exercised in a while. I, I've, I've gotten out of the habit of running. Um, and I'll say to myself, you know, hey, I want to like look and feel fit. That would be like the top above the water intention. I want to look and feel fit. What else do I like doing? Eating pistachios like I'm, a, you know, a, a, a prisoner at night. That's also what I want to do. I want to eat whatever I want to eat. I want to go to bed at 1230 last night. I want to, you know, um, uh, have a, you know, a rhythmic and like um, effective morning with the kids, you know, to get things going. And so I can make sure that they're to school on time. Um, and so there's these, like, I want to look and feel great, but I also want all the other things as well. These are the conflicting intentions. And we usually draw a couple of arrows on the iceberg analogy. There's one arrow that's going left and one arrow, and then maybe one or many that are going right. And we'll find that if they're un- accounted for the hidden intentions usually rule the day. Yeah. Like what you're unaware of is 90% of it's under, under if you don't know about it, they're hidden. You might yeah. say, you might say, okay, I'm going to get in shape and then still gain five pounds. That's a conflicting in, intention. You're it's like, well, I didn't do what I said. I, I told myself this. I wonder what was more important. And literally the, it is the broken promise that is the doorway into revealing some of the hidden hidden intentions. What was it you were doing? Well, maybe you care about pleasing yourself in, in the evening while you're watching TV more than you do about getting in shape because you'd rather stay up late, eat pistachios, than get, you know, and then the next morning you're exhausted and you don't want to get up. You don't want to go do the things that you, you know, you promised to do because you don't have the energy, et cetera, et cetera. And if you do, then you get sick and you, then the sickness keeps you from doing it. And, and, and so you've got these conflicting, not that I know anything about this. Pensions. Um, <laughs> I'm so glad you have this problem, Adrian. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks for, for listening, showing us Dan. how great we are. Thanks for acting so empathetic, Dan. I know. It's far <laughs> well, from your and if you're listening to this and you're wondering, I wonder where I have conflicting intentions. It's really easy to tell, at least if you're paying attention and you want to be aware of it.
And just look at the places that you don't have what you say you want. What results in your life do you have that you say you don't want? Right? Because you're saying that you want something else, but the results you have are there and the results don't lie. What did Adrian say a couple episodes ago? So it was so impactful for me. He said, we are not truth tellers. Our results are. Yeah. So your results will tell you what intentions you're prioritizing. And, and this is something I I just recently learned, you know, if you're really committed to clearly intend, you're, you're clearly intending to produce something, your failures will bring you closer to that intention, mm. right? Because I just got done coaching a guy who he is a CEO and he was clearly intending he had what he wanted to do. And it brought his board to a point of crisis. And that point of crisis is exactly what he needed to get to what matters to him. He had, and he <clears throat> it was funny because four months ago, five months ago, I told him, this is what, you know, look at these results. These results are telling you that this is what's wanted and needed. And he was so resistant because they represented such a discomfort. And eventually they came up, but he, he told me, he said, we had so many conversations about it. When they came up, I wasn't surprised. So I wasn't devastated. And I actually opened up, it opened up for me a new level of resource that Normally, I would have spent a long time licking my wounds and feeling like a victim when I saw that I could have done something. And I realized I probably if I would have acted then, I would have realized what I realize now is that there was probably nothing I could do. This board needed to, to have this decision and this all the things we did wouldn't have made the difference. But I would have been clear about moving on to what I did need to do to get on. And this experience would contribute to it. Yeah. But, so that's the benefit. But most of us are, I know, at least. I have been often more committed to avoiding failure than f- failing into the success that I'm committed to, that I intend. Yeah. If I draw a line, even, even back to the conversation about the coaching call I just got out of, like her blowing it, quote unquote, blowing it in front of that meeting is where all the opportunity is. Um, because she gets to go be humble and she gets to go actually practice accountability around mood and around tone and around respect. And she gets to show where she missed it, which is probably exactly what's needed because it's a very precious culture that she's working in. It's very kind of hyper, you know, let's, let's, you know, hold hands and go around in a circle in a field of daisies, like that type of mood, like make sure you're really nice all the time. But the outcomes of the company are nowhere near. They're about to be taken over inside in the market. Um, And so the preciousness needs to be broken up and thank God she blew it. And if she, if she walks in and has, we talked a lot in this conversation, which ties into the, why we feel conflicted in the conflicting intentions, because I can have conflicting intentions and then just make a choice. But we tend to stay conflicted even as, as if, uh, as if the warring parties um, internally um, are immovable, you know, cause I can have like this, te- like the tension of, should I like stay in bed in the morning and have, um, the type of morning Allie would want or the kids would want, or have the type of morning that I also want, which is distinct from that. Um, I can go make a choice, you know, instead of just having, thinking that even the conflict, like, the, like I can have conflicting intentions without being in conflict about that is what my point is. Like, yeah. I can integrate my conflicts 
which is what I think you're pointing to, Dan, is like, yeah. is I can see the conflict as a way to integrate and to get closer to being a whole being. Like I'm thinking about, there is a natural tension between, you know, holding others accountable and being really helpful or being really warm. There's a natural tension, like holding people accountable to the outcomes and behavior and being really warm. There's a natural tension that we can't avoid. Usually people pick one. And instead of like, oh, both. And even talking about the tension is helpful for leaders. It's like, hey, we really want to have a celebratory growth environment here. And therefore, we're going to have some really tough conversations. So because we want to celebrate, we're actually not going to celebrate all the time. Because we want a shit ton of great news, we're going to talk about the bad news, quote unquote. And that's, a, you know, that's, that's. And how we talk about it. And it's how we, that's right. It's how we talk about it. We can talk about it in very, in a very empathic way. You don't, you don't want to have, you know, compassion can be a, a vice. It can be a poison because if it's interpreted as if I'm not to, as if I can't say the difficult things, if it's going to hurt somebody's feelings, yeah. I can actually say it in a way that they may be hurt, but there'll be room for them to be hurt if that's what is required to get on with what's next. Well, it's actually, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say there's actually a distinction that, that, that we operate, I think, pretty invisibly. Um, the distinction between compassion and empathy. We're in the phase now culturally where empathy is like king. Yeah. And like being nice and being thoughtful and being considered as, and everybody, everybody defines those in ways where it's like just being nice. But that is actually very strong, you know, um, distinction between that and compassion and its truest sense. You know, to suffer with somebody. That's right. Come committed passion. Com- passion meaning to suffer with. Yeah. And so to suffer with somebody is to talk about what they're doing that is going to betray their commitment or is betraying already. Yeah. Is betraying themselves, is breaking their word, is, you know, breaking, like if they're not, people aren't getting the results. People think that, oh, let me be empathic. Like, oh, he's going through a hard time. Well, m- maybe. He's going through a hard time and, and maybe he's not. Um, maybe he knows how to talk to you about things where it just kind of, uh, there's a habit in the relationship where we don't really talk about the hard stuff, but therefore we don't really ever make new choices or transform or grow or whatever. We just, you know, we settle for niceties. We do the corporate nod. Um, and, and we might do that to appear kind but it's just being nice. It's just playing nice and playing so polite. What did I say in that last team meeting? Can we all please stop being so damn polite? Can we get to it? Um, because it's just, it's, it's not that it's a, it's not that the value isn't there, like being respectful of others, but there are, that's a conflicting intention. Like, am I willing to not be polite in the traditional sense, like acting sweet all the time in order to get something done? And like, how do I, do both simultaneously because you can care about somebody enough to talk about um, what's hard, but you can do it in a way that's really. Well, really you know, I, yeah, I, there's you know, it's so interesting you brought it up that way because as a young man, as a young kid, my grandfather would hire, he hired me to make his lawn green. I've told this before, but and that's what he said. I'll give you a hundred dollars a month. This is 1964 to make the lawn green. So 
we're talking a lot of money. So, yeah. of course, I'm out there mowing that lawn every damn day and I'm watering it and I'm fertilizing it and I kill everything. Right. And I come in two weeks and I, I say, well, you, you know, hey, Pop, how about my money? You know, and you know, $50. And he just he gives me a swat in the back of the head. and He goes, you're not listening. So I'm shocked. I run home. I'm crying. And I tell my father, my grandfather, he gave me a swat in the back of the head when I asked him for the money. I, you know, I went out there, worked really hard. And then he gives me a swat in the back of the head and doesn't give me the check. So my dad calls my grandfather up. I hear him talking. He comes back in the bedroom. He swats me in the back of the head. <laughs> I go, what are you doing, Pop? I'm, why are you doing that? I'm all mad. I'm, I'm packing up my clothes. And he says, well, where are you going to go? And he goes, well, I'm, I'm going here. You guys are you guys are mean. You're crazy. I don't know why he did that. He said, your grandfather said he'd pay you $100 a month to make the grass green. He didn't say he'd pay you $100 a month to work hard. And I, I go, what do you mean? He goes, so you're going to go out in the world and people are going to, they're not going to pay you to work hard. They're going to pay you to do the job you came to do, whether you work hard or not. So if you want to go out there on your own, you go ahead, but the, the world is going to hit you in the head much harder than we did if you aren't if you don't learn to make the grass green, right? And that stuck with me all my life. I was like, okay, what am I actually doing here in this moment? What, what makes the grass green here? Because I may not have to work near as hard as I'm afraid I'd have to. And then again, I might have to give twice as much as I ever thought I'd have to. But the, but the standard is what I'm aiming at is not working hard or working less. It's make the, make the grass green. It's make this happen. And I think that's when I think of intention, that's what I think is like my intention was more about working hard. Like that's what earned me the money versus my intention is to please my grandfather by making the grass green. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I had a good chance to do it. I, I went back and did it, but I, I still laugh because when I first went to his yard, he used to have gophers crucified over their holes. And I go, Pop, what are you doing? He goes, they have families. That's <laughs> 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 the weirdest thing. I, the old Italian, man, it's like, they have families. They're going to see the dead, the blood and the guts. They're not going to be around anymore. Uh. <laughs> So I started putting gopher traps in and that one worked well. <laughs> well, this is, I think that's a great place to put a, put a stamp on that. I love that story every time you tell it. And it was clear, you know, obviously your grandfather knew about intention rather than he, you couldn't fool him with your hard work. Right. He was clear on the results. And and I remember he, he actually said to me, better you hurt than feel good about something that's not going to bring you the results you want. <laughs> better you hurt which today would sound you know in today's standard they would and I, my grandfather was one of the you know he's major force in my life yeah yeah that's great thanks for telling that dan i love that story all right gentlemen this has been great yeah thanks chad time flew thanks Boom. so much for bringing it thanks for listening everybody we'll we'll uh Next week, I guess. I don't know. Catch you next time. <laughs> Catch you next time. We'll, make that, we'll, we'll do the clothes we'll later on. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. 
Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye everybody. Bye-bye.